Hey, Mountain Park, this is Pastor Andrew here. I hope you're doing amazing today. It is great to be with you. We're in the middle of summer. Things are more open uh, than they have been in a long time. I'm getting ready to head out to Alberta where everything is fully open, which is amazing. So I'm excited to see my family. Uh, Rochelle and Eli and Simon have been out there for two weeks. And I was saying to her, you know, when the kids were actually really young, um, if she had told me, hey, I'm going away with the kids for a few weeks, I would have been like, yes, I need this time. But now that they're older and we have so much fun together, it's not tiring. We're not, you know, in that young child infant stage, which is exhausting. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> I told Rochelle, like, it's too quiet at home. I'm, I'm sitting around bored. I, I've been doing, you know, uh, really aimless things um, at home uh, <laughs> just to pass the time because there's no activity. So I'm excited to see them and I'm excited today. We're stepping back into a series actually we did uh, at the end of last year called Comeback. And, um, you know, every year as a church, as it uh, kind of comes into uh, late fall and whatnot, mid-November to December, we always do a, a series at the end of the year that is um, based on what we believe God is prophetically speaking to us about the coming year. And so we ask him, God, what is a word that could define uh, what you're calling us to in this next year? I've started praying about that for this fall already. But last year, that word that we felt uh, God give us was comeback. And we preached through that and talked about it. Uh, we had these little comeback cards for everybody to write their own word, to pray, ask God for a word for their life in 2021. Mine was faith. And I really struggled with that. Honestly, I thought, man, this is, this is like Sunday school level boring, God. Like, why faith? And um, now that we are in, you know, the end of July in 2021 and everything has changed about life, about church even, like uh, we're basically resetting and restarting. We're like replanting our whole church and I don't know how everything's going to go and, and I don't even know who all goes to our church anymore. People are moving around between churches like crazy right now. We have a whole bunch of new people here. There's some people from here that have left and gone to other places. And what I have sensed actually Jesus remind me of and speak to me in uh, the last little while is, Andrew, I'm calling you to a new season. I'm calling you to step into a new season. There's, there's a new season that I have for you, but it's going to require faith. And so more than ever, that word for me for the year, faith, has had a deep meaning. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, something that God is continually reminding me of and calling me back to. So, so we did that, and comeback was our, our word as a church. And we talked about that in three sort of ways. Number one, God is calling us to come back to him as our first love, as our first priority to actually come back to him in a life of devotion to him. Number two, God is calling us uh, to a comeback in our life over 
the things that have beaten us up and tore us down and knocked us out, the areas of our lives that the enemy has just run roughshod over us. God is calling us to follow Jesus and his leadership um, in these areas of our life, to, to follow him toward a comeback over these things that the enemy has meant for evil. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, God can take everything that the enemy's meant for evil and work it toward our good. And that was the second kind of meaning of comeback to to follow Jesus into a comeback over that stuff that the enemy has been stirring and using and meaning for evil. And the third was to live with a greater sense of urgency because Jesus is coming back. And and so I want to just you know, we're a little bit more than halfway through the year. I, we're going to step into this comeback again. And, and I want to do this for a few reasons. Num, number one, I want us collectively as a whole group to come back to this priority um, set of priorities that God has called us to as a whole community. And I want to call you to come back to that word maybe that you felt God speaking over your life. Um, have you totally forgotten about it? it did that kind of go the way of the recycling container as we hit January and February? Uh, have you just been overwhelmed and discouraged in this season? Have you been facing trials and, uh, you know, pressing and hardship that has kind of knocked you off? I want to call you back to those things that you sensed God calling you to way back in November. I want to call you back to scripture. We've been walking through the Bible in a year as a whole church. And maybe maybe you've, you fell off that wagon a long time ago. That's okay. I want to call you back into these things. Call you back to come back to focus. And one of the best ways uh, that we can do that is by going back into scripture and so um, I'm going to set a bit of an introduction to this. Pastor Brenda is taking the next few weeks while I'm in Alberta. Pastor Alex will also be preaching uh, as we head further into August. But um, I want to walk with you actually into the book of Revelation, the first chapter today, as we talk about this idea of um, God calling us to come back to him, calling us to stage a comeback um, in our lives. Revelation 1, I'm just going to start with this, and, um, and we're going to just read through part of it. I'm going to just talk a little bit. These, these are broad observations. We're not going verse by verse detailed here, but let's start with Revelation 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. John's greeting to the seven churches. 
This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. All the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. All right, I just want to make some brief uh, observations about this. This is what would be considered the prologue of the book of Revelation. Um, And we have to keep a few things correctly before us to to even understand the whole book of Revelation. We need to keep a few things before us as we seek to understand what is happening in this book, but these are actually things that are important for us just in general. So number one, just to the title of the book, this is not, uh, this book is not called Revelations, plural. Although we do have many dramatic scenes and dramatic revelations in here. The title of this book is not Revelations. The title of this book is not the Revelation of John. John is not the author of this book. It's actually being delivered to John by this angel. So John's not the original author of everything found in Revelation. Jesus actually is. And he's not the subject of the book. It's not even revelation as in a singular word, although it is one long sustained revelation. The title of this book is so crucial for us, even today in light of everything going on in our world. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In my New Living Translation, it says from Jesus Christ. There's an asterisk there and and in the margins and in the notes, it says the word of as well. But the title of this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we understand that word revelation, the Greek word is apocalypsis. And when you hear that word, uh, most likely you go, oh man, something bad is about to happen, right? When When we use the word apocalyptic or apocalypse now, you have that movie, right? Apocalypse now. When newscasters use it, they're usually talking about, you know, this traumatic world event or a a natural disaster or some kind of like, you know, huge war or something, um, you know, very ominous and destructive. That's actually not what apocalypse is means, and it's not actually what it meant to the first century readers. In Greek, apocalypse literally means the uncovering or pulling back of something. It's the, uh, the idea of lifting the lid or the cover off of a box or pulling the curtain back on something. So in the first century, 
when someone said, hey, we're going to have an apocalypse, everyone went, yes, amazing. I'm excited for that because things were going to be pulled back. What was truly going on under the surface was about to be revealed. And so this letter is the apocalypse, the revealing, the pulling back, the uncovering, the disclosing, the lifting of the lid off of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ in the sense that it is Jesus Christ delivering this, but of in the sense as well that this is about Jesus Christ. So this literally, the title of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, meaning the lifting of the cover, the pulling back of the curtain, the opening up and the breaking through of Jesus, by Jesus and about Jesus. Everything in this book is about Jesus. And one New Testament scholar has said, if you read the book of Revelation, and by the time you're done, you're not at the feet of Jesus, totally focused on Jesus, totally uh, enamored with Jesus, totally kind of like leaning into Jesus, then you haven't read the book correctly. He goes on to kind of say, if, if you... Uh, through reading this book, are distracted by figuring out who is 666 and trying to kind of position world powers today in light of the uh, the visual language that that John is is describing here in this book. If you're if you're trying to to kind of carve out dates and geopolitical power structures and make predictions about what's going to happen on the earth, you haven't actually read this book correctly. This is the revelation of Jesus by Jesus about Jesus. This is the revealing of Jesus. The repeated thrust of this book, the, the clarion call of this book, is that things are not as they seem. There's more going on than meets the eye. The repeated thrust of this book is that there is more going on in your life and in this world that can be known through your unaided senses. It's interesting, Daryl Johnson, a pastor and New Testament scholar, he wrote a phenomenal commentary on this book called The um, Discipleship on the Edge. I highly recommend it, but he actually says Revelation, Ephesians, and Matthew are all linked scripturally by their content. Paul, we've been talking about this as we've been studying Ephesians over the last few years. Paul and in his teaching to the Ephesian believers is saying, look, there is not just the natural kingdom, there, there's a supernatural kingdom, and the two of them are interwoven together. You can't separate the two of them. There's more going on than you think. That's what Paul is saying in the book of Ephesians. There's a, a whole spiritual realm that is impacting the natural realm. And, and even in the book of Matthew, we've been walking through the beginning parts of Matthew. Matthew's chapter 1 to 4 even. That's where we've been. And Matthew is giving us this, this pulled, you know, this apocalypse, this behind the veil look 
at, at the sovereignty of God, the nature of God, the character of God as we see that, um, you know, even in Matthew 1 through the genealogy and in the Christmas story and in the temptation of the baptism and temptation of Christ in the wilderness and all of these things, Matthew is actually pulling the veil back and saying there is an unseen reality going on. And, and we've even stopped short of the Sermon on the Mount yet because we, we won't be able to understand the Sermon on the Mount without recognizing there's more than meets the eye in this world. There's more going on under the surface. There's more to Jesus' teaching than just moral directives. There's more to it than just a, a call to self-righteous, legalistic, religious living. There's more under the surface. And Matthew, Paul in Ephesians, and John in Revelation, as he is receiving it from Jesus, are all saying the same thing. And I would say that right now what we need to stop and pause on in our own lives is recognize there's more going on than we realize in our world today. And I would just pastorally want to encourage you. Um, this is not a chastisement or a, a shakedown here at all. This is just a gentle pastoral admo admonishment and encouragement. Yes, there is more going on under the surface. But if your attention and your time and your energy is not directed toward Jesus, but is on trying to figure out, you know, all of these other questions about what's happening geopolitically or, or you know, in our, in our, you know, world power structure, if all of your energy is online trying to, you know, thread these needles of what's happening below the surface, but you're not investing your time and energy in focusing your life on Jesus, then you are veering off and in a dangerous place. I'm here to call you back to Jesus and that's where we're starting in this comeback series. There's three literary styles uh, present in this book of Revelation. So number one, this is actually a pastoral letter. We don't think of it that way oftentimes, but this is the largest pastoral letter of scripture. John is writing to the seven churches. He's writing to actual people who lived in these churches in John's day and in his time. This is crucial. We're not going to do like a, an exhaustive walk through the whole book, but again, it's crucial to understand that Revelation was not written by John to primarily, it was not written by him to people thousands of years later randomly down the line. It was written to the churches and the Christians and followers of Jesus and the way of Jesus in his own lifetime. It's a pastoral epistle. It's a writing to specific churches for how to follow Jesus under extreme duress in their time. It's also prophetic. It's got, John uh, uses that word oftentimes in this, and it's apocalyptic. Again, uh, we have talked about what that word apocalypsis means 
But apocalyptic literature had two primary purposes. I want to leave uh, these with you. They will transform how you read this book, but I, I think they actually might serve to encourage you as we are stepping into this kind of comeback 2.0 moment in the middle of our year, just past the middle of the year. Apocalyptic writing in the Bible, the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, parts of uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Revelation, uh, apocalyptic writing, number one, is meant to set the present in light of the unseen realities of the future. Okay, I'll say that again. First purpose of apocalyptic writing is to set the present in light of the unseen realities of the future. This is what we see in the book of Revelation uh, as, it, uh, as we get to the end of it. Jesus is laying out for John the realities, the unseen realities of the future. Second, apocalyptic literature, the purpose is to set the present in light of the unseen realities of the present. So it sets the present in light of the unseen realities of the future, but apocalyptic literature is also meant to set the present in light of the unseen realities of the present. This is huge. The book of Revelation is about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, what he will do, and how we are to live for him in the present. The book of Revelation is the uncovering of not only what will happen in the future, but who Jesus is today in the present tense. The revelation of Jesus Christ is not just about what's going to happen down the road, although it is that. It's also about what is presently taking place in the unseen supernatural and spiritual realms. So uh, there's a few of those realities throughout this book, but I just want to cover a few things. The first uh, unseen reality of Jesus presented in Revelation that I just want to cover today, there's more than we'll cover, but is that he is coming. So the first unseen reality that Revelation presents is that he's coming. Uh, chapter 1-7, behold, he is coming. 22.7, I am coming quickly. 22.12, I'm coming quickly. 22.20, I'm coming quickly. Notice that uh, what is being said is that uh, he is coming, not that he will come. And in fact, that is a present tense verb in the language of the Greek that denotes he is coming, that it's actually happening now, that he is coming back right now. Not that he will come sometime down the road, but that he is coming. He is in route. He is working toward the end. He is involved in and engaged with your life. He is coming. We need to set the present 
realities of our lives with this unseen reality that Jesus is in the process of coming. He's not somewhere far off, just kind of waiting around until certain things are triggered. He is active and engaged with and involved in our life. The kingdom of God is here, Jesus said. It's time for a comeback in your life. Because Jesus even now is coming back. It's time to redirect your life toward him, your focus, your energy, your time, your, your passion, your whole being and substance to, to return, to come back to him because he's in the process of coming. He's not just waiting off in, you know, heaven somewhere in God's throne room, totally disconnected from your life. He wants to be integrated into and involved with and empowering and restoring and renewing. He is coming back and it's in the present tense. Jesus is calling you and me to come back to him as the defining focus of our lives, the defining person who captures our attention and our devotion. Another unseen reality of Jesus is in the I am statements that he makes in the book of Revelation. So in light of our present, the unseen reality of Jesus, number one, is that he is coming back. Not he will come one day, he will return one day in physical form on the earth, but he's in the process of coming even now. The second reality is found in his I am statements when he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You can find those in Revelation 1, 8, 1, 17, 22, 6, and 22, 13. The Alpha and the Omega are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. The first and the last, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not only the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet, I'm the first and the last, I'm the beginning and the end of every category found in human existence. And then he says, I am the beginning and the end. Literally, that's arche, which is where we get the word archetype from. I am the source of. And end is, um, is the word telos, and that is literally the inherent destiny of. I am your source, and I'm your destiny. I am the very source of life itself and everything, everything, everything will find its destiny in me, in your life. I am all of this for you. This is the unseen reality of Jesus in the present, in light of what we see around us, what we're experiencing, what we hear happening on the earth, what we are walking through, the struggles and difficulties and the, the pressures and all of that. Jesus says, I am not just the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. I'm the beginning and the end of every category. I have them all within me in the palm of my hand. I'm the source of all life even. And in me, everything finds its destiny and its completion. His invitation is to come back to him and see him for who he is. 
the unseen reality of who he is in light of our present circumstances. We find ourselves in this present moment, many of us overwhelmed, stressed out. There's, uh, you know, we've walked through the weirdest time any of us have walked through in our lifetime, the most difficult time any of us have walked through. And John, as he's looking at um, his life in the reality of the context of the book of Revelation, it was most likely written in AD 96, which was a brutal time to be a follower of Jesus. You know, shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, there were some years of a fruitful growth, of uninhibited growth in the church. But uh, with Nero in, I think, around the 60s AD, Nero began to persecute the church. And Nero was famous for feeding Christians to the lions and for burning them alive with oil. It's even said that he used them as torches along sort of his palace walkways. He would use burning Christians as torches in his palace garden area. And then things got even worse under um, uh, Vespasian, the next emperor after Nero. In AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. And in that time period, Paul, Peter, and Timothy were all killed for their faith. It was literally like you know, if you can imagine even on a, on a Sunday morning stepping out of church, uh, you know, taking your phone and, and seeing a news feed and seeing, you know, like that John Piper was dragged out of his church and shot on the street. And uh, just think of your, your favorite sort of pastors and leaders that they, they, that they were ripped out of their churches and, and, and killed on the, the steps of their churches and whatnot. That was happening in, in the 70s under Vespasian. And John has lived through these things, and then it got even worse in the 90s, in 92 under Domitian, who was so deeply insecure that he ordered um, that everyone had to declare him Lord, Caesar and Lord, and in fact, he... He instituted a rule that they had to go to a temple and take a pinch of, um, uh, of spices and offer them on, on, a, on a fire of incense and burn the incense and make the declaration that the mission was Lord. And John wouldn't do that. He, as one commentator put it, he respectfully declined to declare Domitian Lord, and for that, he was sent to the island of Patmos, which was a, a basically a quarry work site for Rome. He was sent into forced, isolated labor, and this is the context in which Jesus is coming to John with the contents of the book of Revelation. In his commentary on this, Daryl Johnson says, it is the fundamental issue that was facing those who received the document in the first century. Who will I worship? Someone has said that we human beings are incurably religious, meaning we cannot but worship someone or something. Who will it be? The powers of the present age or Jesus Christ? 
to whom will we give our ultimate allegiance? In the imagery of the book, to the beast with his seductive offer of pleasure and wealth, or to the slaughtered lamb with his offer of life? Whom will we follow as we make our way through this world? That's what the book of Revelation is provoking in us, this question. It's asking this of us. By whose value system will we walk? Babylon the harlots or New Jerusalem the brides? What will shape our lifestyle? The kingdom of Jesus or humanity and rebellion to God? These are the things that the book of Revelation, the the revelation that Jesus is giving John is provoking these questions. This is what Jesus is asking of the the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. That's what he's asking. And, And although it was written to them, it was also written for us. And he's asking you and I the same questions today. What will define your life? Who will define your life? What will shape your lifestyle? What kingdom are you actually following? Halfway through this year, our comeback year, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us to come back to Jesus as the defining person of our lives, every part of them, recognizing he is the unseen reality at work in all things. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is coming. He's in the process of coming. The revelation continues. Uh, 1 verse 9. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in the Lord's kingdom. And in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you've seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we've talked about in relation to this comeback word that God is giving us, our need to come back to Jesus as our first love, our devotion to him 
him as the focus of our life. We have seen that we need a new urgency, recognizing that Jesus is coming back. The unseen reality of the whole world is that Jesus is on his way now, and how we live matters. What we do matters. How we spend our time matters. What we prioritize in our life matters. It's not that he will come back only one day. Yes, he will come back physically to the earth, but he is in the process of coming. He wants to work in your life. And this third and final sort of way that we've used this word is that we need to see Jesus as the one who can give us a comeback over the enemy. Jesus is calling us to follow him toward a comeback in our life over everything the enemy is meant for evil, the things that have beat you up and torn you down, the things that are overwhelming and exhausting you in this last year and a half or in, in your life in general. These things, Jesus is saying, I have the authority and the power to cause a comeback in your life over everything that the enemy meant to undermine and destroy and take you out in your life, but you have to follow me. You have to see where I'm going. Jesus, I want to leave you with this idea, this picture that Jesus is presenting of him in the middle of these lampstands. Jesus is saying to John, look, I know that the church is on the mainland. This was the reality for John. John is stranded, exiled on this island of Patmos. He is helpless, but he knows on the mainland that Domitian is killing Christians. They say 40,000 sometimes at a time. He's killing them. The church is being persecuted. It's being threshed by the enemy. People are struggling. They're caving. They're buckling under the pressure. They're overwhelmed. They don't know where to turn or what to do. They're, they're being pressured to, to give allegiance to Domitian, to, 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 um, you know, compromise in their allegiance to Jesus in their faith. They're being influenced by the, the wealth of Rome and the comfort of Rome. All of the, the, the things that are available to them, the sensuality of Rome, the, the seduction of Rome. They're being tempted and they're, they're, they're looking at this stuff and, and things are not good. And John is stranded on this island. He can't help them the way that he probably wanted to. And Jesus is saying to him with this, look, John, I know that when you look at everything around you, you feel like it's hopeless. You're overwhelmed, you're burdened, you're, you're hurt, you're wounded, you're, you're seeing people crumble all around you, you're seeing injustice, you're seeing brokenness and all of that stuff. John, I know that you see that, but what you need to realize is that I myself am standing in the middle of these churches. I myself am in the center of all of that stuff that is so deeply troubling to you. I myself am the one that can sustain and prevail and overcome because of me as the center of all of these things. There's hope. And what Jesus gives John in the midst of the pressure and weight and confusion and all of that that John is experiencing, what he gives John is a vision 
of himself. The unseen reality of the present in light of the present. Do you get that? Do you understand how powerful that is? In the middle of a, a, a present situation that is fraught with trouble and persecution and where things are going the wrong way and people are overwhelmed and they're caving and buckling and there's false teaching and all of this stuff. In the middle, people are compromising morally and, and it seems like it's a tidal wave that's going to wipe the church out, wipe John's followers out. In the middle of all of that, Jesus is reminding John and saying, John, there is an unseen reality and I am at the center of it. What you need, John, right now in the midst of everything you see with your natural eyes that you experience with your natural senses, what you need right now is to see the unseen reality of the present. And that is that I stand in all authority and power and victory. And I'm not standing aloof and far off. I'm right in the middle of your struggle. I'm right in the middle of your weakness. I'm right in the middle of what's going on in your family. I'm right in the middle of what's happening with your kids. I'm right in the middle of what's taking place at work. I'm right in the middle of your frustrations and your anger. I'm right in the middle of what's happening in the church in the world today. I'm right in the middle of all of it. Daryl Johnson says it this way, and he wrote this, many years before COVID. So this is not a, an assault or an attack on, on maybe even where you've landed in this last year. This is just his observations about the truth of the book of Revelation. John says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was worshiping in the power of the Holy Spirit one Sunday morning. He had no doubt been praying about all that was going on. He had no doubt been crying out to the Lord. And how does the Lord respond? I want you to hear me. If you've been distracted or, you know, just tuning me out, come back into this. Listen to this. And how does the Lord respond? By telling John to have the elders form a task force on political terror? No, no by giving John a set of new programs to be implemented in the various congregations on the mainland? No. By calling John to form a resistance movement? No. By giving John a strategy by which Christians could slowly displace pagans in public office? Not a bad thing to do, Daryl says, but no. By giving John more cash for the church's budget? No. How does Jesus respond? He lifts the cover. He pulls back the curtain. Jesus responds with a revelation, an apocalypse, with an unveiling of the unseen reality of the present. God responds by giving John a powerful vision of who Jesus is. I want to tell you, when I read that, I stopped dead in my tracks dead in my tracks, and I, I had to repent. I, I said, Jesus, I, I've been so overwhelmed by how to lead a church in the middle of all of this. I've been so overwhelmed by how to lead my family through this, my kids 
as they navigate everything going on in school and in the world around them. Jesus, I've been so preoccupied at times with reading articles about this and that and investigating this thing over here and that thing over there. Jesus, I've been so guilty of losing you at the center of my life because I've been just overwhelmed by everything. And Jesus, in his grace and his mercy, it's like he just said, I know but I'm calling you back. Andrew, what you need, what your church needs, what your family needs and the people around you need is not these other things they've been turning to. It's a greater revelation of me as I am in the present. The exalted, unhindered, all authoritative, powerful King of kings and Lord of lords, the First and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who sits in the middle, unfettered, in peace and power. That's what you need. You need to come back to me and my unseen reality and light of the present. So that's where we're going with these next few weeks. That's my invitation to you. Maybe this is an opportunity just as I wrap up here. Maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing you conviction on what you've allowed to dominate your life in the last year and a half. What you've allowed to dominate your emotions and what you've allowed to dominate your, your study and research and your online learning time, what you've allowed to dominate your perspective of the world and people around you, what you've allowed to influence you. Has it been Jesus or have you been swept away by the pressures of everything going on, the overwhelming nature of it? Jesus is calling you back to, to have a clear vision of who he is of what is possible with him, of what he wants to do in your life and what he is doing on the world right now and what he will do one day. Notice how John says he was worshiping. Again, here's the simple call. Are you prioritizing Jesus in your life? Are you carving out time to practice silence with him, persistent prayer, worship, scripture reading? Are you doing those things? Jump back in to the year through in the Bible with us. You can find it on uh, the YouVersion Bible app. It's called a Listening to the Word. And it's with uh, the guy who kind of put it on there, Randy Friesen, is my mentor. Many of you know him and have met him. But jump into that, the listening to the word one year through the Bible. Jump back in and, and begin reading. You know, I, right now I'm reading through First and Second Peter. And Peter's talking about submitting to government, about walking in peace, about enduring trial and suffering and hardship. I wouldn't necessarily choose to be reading that, but because I'm prioritizing time in Scripture daily, I am being filled with the Word of God 
the, the word of God for my life, not just kind of what I'm poking at or seeing on Instagram stories? Are you prior, prioritizing a comeback to the presence of Jesus? It was in the context of worship, of getting on his face and his knees to cry out to God. It's in that context that Jesus gives him a greater revelation of who he is in light of the present. If you're like me, right now what you need is a greater revelation of the reality of the unseen realm that Jesus is Lord and Savior of in light of your present reality. So I want, I want to call you back to prioritizing time with him in the morning to prayer I want to call you back to persistent prayer for your family and your friends and the needs that you have around you. I want to call you back to reading scripture daily and regularly. I want to call you back to practicing silence, sitting silently before Jesus and allowing him to minister to your heart and your soul. Call you back to passionate worship. What are you listening to? What do you put on in the car? Is it the radio? Is it the news all the time? Is it, what is it? I wanna call you back to these things. What you and I need today more than anything is that revelation of Jesus as he is in the heavenly realms, in the present. He is Lord. He stands in authority and power and he stands in the middle of these seven churches that John is so concerned about. He's standing in the middle of all of the things that weigh you down and concern you. That's what I want to call you to as we engage in this comeback series again.